0: Hey friends and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Winnipeg versus Montreal and what exactly transpired in this game. Long and short of it is, uh, the Jets are bad, the Habs are bad, everyone loves chaos, everyone loves goals, and maybe the Jets should just... I don't know, relegate themselves. Who even knows? The NHL doesn't even have relegation, but after an effort like this, you might start wondering if the league should investigate it. We're going to talk about the madness that transpired all on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello friends and welcome to tonight's episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and as always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. We'll also be joining YouTube in the very near future, so keep an eye out on that for all of the hot Winnipeg Jets, Locked On Jets video content you can handle. Subscribing is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate all of your viewership and support. Like I mentioned at the top of this episode, I wanted to talk about Winnipeg versus Montreal, which was a game in which... You know, the Jets, if you uh, watch them against Colorado, you basically know what happened against Montreal, at least for the first couple of periods. Uh, We've actually gone through just about two periods right now. I'm getting the recording started a little bit earlier because there are some very clear phases of this game, especially through the first couple of periods. And, yeah, the Jets kind of happened, right? So... Winnipeg came out of the locker rooms, you know, after a really great anthem from Husley, um which is the, the Ukrainian men's anthem choir singers. They were fantastic. I thought that they did a wonderful rendition of the anthem. And obviously for a lot of Ukrainian folks who are in the audience, I'm sure that it really was resonant and it definitely had um, a major emotional impact on the audience and kind of served as a reminder of what right now is a little bit more important than hockey. After the anthem, you know, the the mood of the crowd seemed very high, spirits were lifted, everyone seemed like they were feeling pretty good, and the Jets came out, and honestly, the team looked like they were having a fun time. Uh, After a bit of a tentative start through, like, the first few minutes, Winnipeg started getting rolling, and it was partly because Montembeau and net for the Habs wasn't all that great. Uh, First couple of shots, he surrendered, like, four goals, and suddenly Winnipeg found itself with a massive lead. But... When you watch the Jets, you always know that this team has a Jekyll and Hyde act. Whenever Winnipeg has like any sort of lead, they tend to sit back. They start letting off the gas, and you could feel that first period start to shift. Winnipeg had a 4-0 lead, and then it stopped shooting. Um, and suddenly, Montreal started creeping back in. And it started off with an innocent enough goal, a Josh Anderson shot from like the right face-off circle at an extreme angle, Hellebuck seemingly got surprised, and it just sort of went through his five-hole, which when Heli lets into something like that, you start getting nervous. Um, he hadn't really seen a lot of rubber until that point, but all of a sudden, Montreal started putting it on net, and you started getting nervous. Then Montreal scores a second goal, then a third, and then suddenly, you know, they uh, they tie it, <laughs> and you're just like, what, uh, what? What exactly was Winnipeg doing? And so... I think that this illustrates a really big problem with this team. It's been a problem for the past couple of years, but when Winnipeg starts getting complacent, they get lazy, they get slow, and they suddenly allow teams opportunities to score, and they don't finish these games out. You compare and contrast it with the team from a few years ago that basically just dominated opponents all through the, you know, the full 60 minutes and three periods, The Jets back in 2017-2018, they never let go. Uh, You know, they they did have moments where maybe they let off the gas for a couple of minutes, but it was never a, a moment where they took an entire period off. You only saw maybe a few shifts here and there, and then the pressure started again. Those waves of domination started to creep back into their game, and Winnipeg was pounding opponents into the ground. This team doesn't do that. Winnipeg gets two, three, maybe even four goals. Suddenly, they think, that's enough. You know, we can take a few shifts off, maybe even a period here and there, and we'll actually be able to win the game. At this level, that just doesn't cut it. It's not excusable. This team knows better. And yet, the the Jets keep doing this year in and year out. I feel like, for me, it's illustrative of why, you know, the, the Jets need a cultural change. I think Winnipeg has gotten to the point where they are comfortable with this level of play in some areas. Uh, not that they would say it. I think that they would actually express frustration in the um, press conferences and if you question questioned them about it. But in their actions, it doesn't really seem like the urgency gets to them. And I don't know if that's just a thing because maybe the tactical adjustments aren't really where they need to be and the Jets are struggling to figure out what to do with the instructions. Or if Winnipeg's top players just don't really... Uh, feel like they have to push as much. um. You know, that's not really the case for, like, the second line, right? You know, the, the Dubois line constantly works really hard. Even KFC, with all of his defensive liabilities, he's still trying to actively create alongside his teammates. But you look at some of the top guys, you know, the Shifley line sort of being a bit stagnant, and then the depth lines that are trying their best to create something but not really capable of it for most of the game... There's just a, it's, I wouldn't call it like deadweight, but there's definitely a lot of issues with this team's construction, especially when, uh, you know, Winnipeg is faced with either trying to chase a deficit or holding a lead. Both situations, the Jets have had issues, and I, I don't really know what to say with this team. It's really embarrassing that they had a 4 nothing lead over one of the worst teams in the NHL, and somehow they blew it. Even if the Jets win this game, it's still a scathing indictment of their performance and their inability to, you know, keep keep it together and play for a full 60 minutes that a team that really has no business being in this outing, uh, a team that the Jets should have put down, they came back. And sure, you could say Hellebuck was pretty terrible. And honestly, Helly definitely was not very good. He had a couple of really bad squeakers, some shots that I really wished he would have stopped. But by the same token, Winnipeg also stopped getting anything on Montreal's net. By the end of the second period, the shots were in favor of Montreal like 21-13 or something like that. Maybe even 21-17 if it was super generous. But long and short of it is, the Jets were getting outplayed and outshot. So, yeah, not a great first half of this game. And we'll talk about why this continues to be a trend over the past couple of years, but, you know, I also wanted to talk about some of the good that we saw, because I do think that there are some individual performances that, for me, really stood out in a positive way. We'll dive a bit deeper into this game in just a little bit, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best-tasting protein bar on the market. They're so good that they might just help you with those pesky New Year's resolutions. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your New Year's plans. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Bilt Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt free as built bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with built bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the built way. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you want to keep up with all the latest and greatest NHL action though, you need to be following Locked On Now and make it your second listen. Locked On Now gets you closer to the game than ever before with nightly recaps of every NHL game and analysis featuring our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. We are uh, returning to our thoughts on Winnipeg versus Montreal, which has been a very curious game. Uh, the first period was both great and terrible at the same time. You know, the Jets had a 4 nothing lead. Then they blew a 4 nothing lead. There was a penalty shot. I mean, everything basically just happened. I mean, if you want a good summation of Winnipeg hockey and why this season has been such a trial and tribulation for the Jets, I, I think the first period was a really good illustration. And, you know... The Jets are just who they are at this point. It's not really a shocker. I think most of us have kind of gotten used to it by now. It is what it is. Exiting the first period after getting dominated towards the back end, you know, the Jets were up 4-3, but then, of course, Josh Anderson completed his hat trick towards the start of the second period, makes it 4-4, and things are not feeling great. Um, you know, Montreal was still very much in control of that period. And you could kind of tell that in the second, the Jets just didn't really have a lot of gas. But, you know, thanks to Andrew Kopp scoring a power play goal, Winnipeg suddenly had a, a lead and things were feeling a little bit more optimistic. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the back half of the game and what occurred. But, you know, before I, I wanted to get to that point, I thought I would spotlight some really good individual performances because I think there were a couple of guys for me that really stood out. Uh, the first one that I think is going to be very obvious is is going to be Pierre Luc Dubois. This guy has been on an unholy tear since the start of the season, and I don't know that anyone anyone like really expected him to be this amazing um, for this team. I thought that he would he would like be an elite offensive center, and he has all of the skill and tool sets to be that kind of player that the Jets really lack up front. But even by my expectations, I I'm really impressed with the way that he continues to fit in. And I think the biggest thing that's kind of really impressed me is his character and leadership. Uh, Whatever complaints there were about him in Columbus, I haven't really seen any reason to, uh, you know, think that they've really carried over to the Jets. This guy leads by example. He leads by his words. I mean, he's just, for me, maybe the ideal, uh, you know, future captain kind of player. This is a guy that when Wheeler retires, I want wearing this Team C. I feel like he deserves it. I I think that his work ethic and the way that he plays and what he does on the ice and with his his statements, I think he just, he does everything so well. He wants to talk to the media. He takes responsibility. And he's also a fantastic hockey player. I mean, this guy is an elite scorer, so I, I just don't really see how anyone could argue against him eventually becoming this team's captain. I also thought that uh, one of his line mates, Evgeny Zvechnikov, again, continuing to show why he is a perfect fit on this line. I mean, Zvechnikov isn't going to blow your mind with, like, insane skills, right? I think Zvech, for those who, like, really nerd out about uh, very strong physical players with very underappreciated skill, coordination, and patience, I think that they adore watching Zvech. and for me, that's that's the kind of player that I actually love to kind of follow up on because... They're very details oriented, and I think Zvech does so many things along the walls and when he's under pressure that not a lot of NHLers can actually pull off. Because of his frame and his strength and his patience, even when he has two to three defenders mobbing him, Zvech is honestly one of the most effective creators off the wall that this team has. And he can also, you know, really thread a needle. He's got patience. He's not afraid to physically mix it up. And then when he's actually in front of the net, he's got a pretty deft touch. In tonight's game, he had a goal and an assist. Could have had a couple of other opportunities here and there to maybe grab an assist or a goal here. Uh, Just in general, a really productive night. And I think he serves as a perfect complementary player for the kind of teammates that uh, he has in PLD and KFC. I mean, this unit... It just fits chemistry-wise. The performance is off the charts over the past couple of games. It was really good at the start of the year. And it really just makes me wonder why Winnipeg ever got away from it. It's not like I think Perfetti was a downgrade or anything. I think that Cole on that line is also a really good fit. It's just that I feel... Zvech in particular and the way that he plays is actually ideal for what PLD and KFC want to do below the goal line, working from behind the net, and also in crashing the net. There's just a really good synergy of skill sets and approaches to the game, and you know PLD and Zvech are both offensively very aware. They've got great vision, great spatial awareness, Uh, and Zvech in particular is super bright. I think that he's got a very high on-ice IQ, and he's really adapted his game to be a, a truly great two-way player. He's one of Winnipeg's best defensive forwards. And I just feel like he plays hockey the right way that I want the rest of the Jets to, to follow suit. So this line for me just continues to excel. I'm super excited to see what they do for the rest of the season. And it, for me, it would really be a shame if Lowry benched or demoted Zvechnikov again. As, especially in light of all of the success that they've had recently, this is just not a unit that you should ever touch. The only reason that you should have to is if, say, somebody is really, really struggling or, uh, you know, somebody gets injured. But so far, just really impressed. And I think that this line has been Winnipeg's maybe soul-saving grace outside of, like, Hellebuck, who can occasionally uh, put on some Vesna performances here and there. Overall, though, this first line really in a driver's seat, and they were monsters again in tonight's game. Now, there was still, you know, another period left, and with the Jets... Uh, You know, nursing a a 5-4 lead, I was curious to know if the Jets were actually going to hold it or if we were going to see them do what they did in the first period again and start to blow it. You'll find out in just a little bit, so stay tuned. Hey, Jets fans, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on Winnipeg's back half of this game, including, you know, the third period and parts of the second period. After Andrew Kopp uh, ended up getting the go-ahead goal, the Jets just seemingly found a way to start getting through a little bit more. Uh, the third period especially, the Jets added a couple more goals thanks to Mark Shifley and some other guys. Just a a pretty alright performance in terms of seeing this game out, grabbing a few extra goals. Um, they actually chased Montembeau and brought in Andrew Hammond. So Hammond, of course, you know, was the Hamburglar a few years ago, actually won a couple of games after not having started in several years. And he's been pretty decent for Montreal from what I understand. But, you know, in tonight's game, obviously he had no real pressure. Just kind of had to come out, make some saves, see the game out. And Winnipeg, I don't really feel, was too, too urgent to push things. Um, What was kind of interesting was that throughout this entire game, you know, a lot of Winnipeg's offense ended up coming on the power play. Uh, There were so many penalties called and the officiating was like super, super rough. I was a little bit curious about some of the decisions that were made um, certainly it seemed like they let some things go and then on very similar plays they would call something that was a little bit on the cheaper side but i i don't really know why there was so much inconsistency i mean this is just kind of the status of of nhl refereeing and i know that it's very difficult especially at speed but even still you know just try and make this a little bit easier to follow obviously guys on the ice are always frustrated by the calls you know what can we do what can't we do do we have to police the game ourselves, yada, yada, yada. You get the idea. It's a little bit annoying. So, just a very weird, weird game. I mean, I know that Winnipeg was up pretty significantly. They even added another power play goal against the Hamburglar late in the third. But, yeah, I don't really know if there's much to read in tonight's into tonight's performance other than the fact that both teams are really not playoff ready. I think the fact that Montreal pushed the Jets as far as they did and that Winnipeg blew a huge lead... Um, you know, should be a good sign of the fact that Winnipeg just needs to be ready for the the selling and to kind of not really look to do a lot more beyond, you know, letting some free agents go and evaluating the future of some of their top players. I still think that despite everything, Mark Scheifele really does need to be uh, considered as a major trade piece. I just don't feel like he really fits this team anymore. And now that he's no longer the first line center, you know, Winnipeg has that guy, in Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I would be interested in seeing Dubois become the number one uh, both on, on the ice and in ice time because he still doesn't always get those elite first-line deployments even though he's kind of doing that kind of stuff for the Jets. Other takeaways from this game, uh, Hellebuck was pretty rough, um, especially early, but did batten down the hatches towards the back stretch of the game. Thought he recovered nicely. Um, Andrew Kopp looked pretty decent in his return had an all right enough game, even though most of the team kind of got shellacked. It's all very much relative, right? Um, Really hard to get too excited, though. I mean, Winnipeg did win 8-4, but, you know, it's just... uh, It's really hard to feel a lot of optimism when all of the same issues that the Jets have traditionally gotten punished for by better teams are are still very much present and noted. They haven't gone away. It's not going to change until the summer. And I I think that ultimately this team really does need an organizational shakeup from the ground up to try and evaluate what exactly this team's long-term future looks like. I I think that is still very much in the balance. One game, again, doesn't change that, but I think we all know it's been a continuing trend. And Winnipeg really needs to ask itself why it can't hold something like a four-goal lead. You know, you can see it a few here and there, it's no big deal. But if you can see like four in about maybe 10 or 12 minutes of shifts, that's pretty embarrassing. That really can't be allowed to happen, especially after it happened against Colorado and they lost that game. They were probably a bit fortunate that tonight's game is just Montreal. But going forward, if this happens again, you know, Winnipeg is going to have some hot seats. I I do think that there are some folks who probably aren't going to be back next year. I don't know if that's going to include the coaching staff, but I'm sure, you know, Lowry uh, probably won't be the head coach. I don't think that he's really had that impressive of a stint as the head coach and I would be interested to see if the assistant coaching staff is also on the block because from my perspective I don't think many of them really fit Winnipeg's future and I just feel like it's time to start changing things and get some fresh blood and perspectives in because this team as it is just isn't really good enough. I've spoken a lot on this so I'm going to leave you with these thoughts for tonight I think the Jets know that this isn't going to be the kind of effort that gets them into the postseason. But, hey, a win is pretty cool. You know, it it is a bit of a rival that they're facing in Montreal. So I'm, I'm sure the boys are real proud of that effort. But, you know, long term, still looking at the same prognosis, still seeing some of the same issues that continue to haunt this team. And we'll talk about, you know, some of the additional trade deadline, trade bait guys that are continually popping up. We'll probably have some of that on tomorrow's episode. And then throughout the next couple of weeks, any additional names that pop up, we will also discuss, including whether the Jets might be in contention for their services. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steele Rodon and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcast media, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!